chapter 10. And and I will read verses 9 through 13. One thing I, as I study in God's Word, I find that it's a deep, 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 deep mind. And, and uh, when it, it's amazing because when you begin to study and go into His Word, and like I said, as a as a minister, you you'll hit something, then all of a sudden you'll 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 go on this rabbit trail after this in this other direction, and then you look at the clock, and an hour's passed, and you haven't even dealt with <laughs> what you should be focused on because of a. But that's good. I mean, I. But that's the the Word of God, and and uh, uh, so God. Uh, uh, just pray for me as I prepare that that I would stay focused as uh, as I study and I, and I prepare, but also that I would delight that it would be a delight to me because it is. I love I love doing this. I mean I love preparing and studying and and uh, and, and and God really uh, is working in me uh, as I as I prepare and and uh, I pray He's working in you as well. Verses nine through thirteen. But if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord, will be saved. And that's a promise we have from God's word. And, and may he bless to our hearing this portion of his word. Just in, in, in review, uh, we saw last week uh, what the law says to do for justification. You may have remember going over that. It's something that's uh, in the book of Romans before now. But uh, the, the law says do and live. Do and live. And, uh, and there's just a problem with doing and living. And, and uh, I will give uh, a different verse uh, than I used last week. But in Galatians 5, Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. And so a different verse, but the same truth. If, if you... Uh, those that, that, that came in and said, oh yeah, but you need to believe in Jesus, but you've got to add to it circumcision. And then you're okay. And Paul says, no, if you add circumcision for salvation, then you've got to keep the whole law, not just circumcision. And so, again, the same truth, just a, a different example. Uh, the law must be kept perfectly. But, and, and we found also that the Jews tried to establish their own righteousness. We find that in verse 31 and 32 of, of 9. I won't read it because of time. But uh, chapter 10 in verse 3 and also chapter 10 in verse 5. Tried to establish their own righteousness. But, uh, and Paul, I think, is warning us here. He's telling us, look, don't stumble like the Jews did. Don't make the same mistake that the Jews made about this whole matter. Because they stumbled over it. Uh, don't, you, don't you do that. Uh, don't make that same mistake. We also saw that uh, what the gospel, what Paul says we need to, to do to be saved. And he says, live and do. 
don't live, don't do to live, but uh, of course live uh, and then do. Let the doing flow out of the uh, out of the life that you have in Christ. Let it flow out of the gospel. Uh, have faith in Christ. Verse four. Remember that for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who works real hard. Is that what it says? No, it says for all who believes. See, it's belief. It's by faith. And Paul is is driving this point home. Um, So, uh, have faith in Christ. That's the key verse. Uh, Christ is what the law pointed to, so that there might be righteousness for all those that believe. Uh, The object of faith is Christ. We talked about that. Uh, uh, Righteousness received by faith. I now have his perfect uh, righteousness, his perfect obedience to the law by faith. Uh, His record is now my sure foundation. Uh, I can run out on that lake because it's frozen to the bottom. Uh, He kept it perfectly. I mean, the lake is frozen. I cannot fall through. I can stand. It's a sure foundation. So don't ever forget that. That's good news. Uh, That's the gospel. And then we need to see... uh, that uh, Paul is telling us here how hopeless, how helpless, what big sinners we really are. And that, remember, I ask you that. Uh, everybody repeat, I'm a big sinner. And, and that's hard to do. It really is because we all run back to performance and we don't like to see ourselves as big sinners. And yet Paul said he was the chief of sinners. But uh, I want you to uh, be convinced of that. I want you to be convinced that your righteousness is not, your good goodness, your good works will not get you there. Uh, uh, without Christ, you're in big trouble. Working your way to heaven won't get you there. Uh, there is uh, no comfort in uh, Judaism, law keeping. There is no comfort in it uh, because you can never do enough. But the gospel uh, is good news. That's good news. That's, that's what gospel means. It's good news. It's good news. And that is that Jesus has paid it all. All to him I owe. Uh, and also, I want us to see in these verses that we read today, uh, it is hard. It is hard to read this and not get a sense of the breadth, the generosity, of, of the bounty of, the big-heartedness of God in his offer of this. Did you see that? He says, it's, to, it's for all, whosoever, anyone. I mean, this is, this is his, it's going out into all the world. It's good news and it's great. And uh, there will be a multitude that no man can number that are saved. And so we need to see God's generosity. Whoever calls uh, 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 will be saved. Gentiles also. This is for everyone uh, alike. And... Uh, then we saw that uh, we must uh, believe first in the heart. This is where it begins, in the heart. And the heart is made up of the mind, the emotions, and, but more importantly, the will, the volitional part of it. Uh, and uh, God changes our want to. He changes your want to. Uh, this is, this, the will here is a strong inward uh, consent a strong inward consent of what is taking place. And he changes our want-tos. You know, I want to serve him. 
to, I, uh, I want uh, to dedicate my life to him. I want to depend on him. I want to be devoted to him. I want to follow him. I want to trust him. I want to surrender to him. I want to commit to him. I don't care what words you use. It's about him. And my need for him. And this is what Paul is driving at here. This is not just mental understanding. Because the demons know who Jesus is. He knew they knew who he was when he was here on earth. Read Mark 1, 24, it says, about the unclean spirit that was in the man. He said, what are, you, what are you doing, you holy one of the Most High God? He knew he was. But you see, he didn't surrender. He didn't trust. He didn't bow down and worship him. Why? Because he was an unclean spirit. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't repent. He does not. So, it's not just... Upstairs, mentally believing. You believe that God is one? You do well. The devils also believe. And what, what do they do? See the difference is what do they do? Shudder. They tremble. They, they're fearful. These demons, when Jesus approached, said, uh, they trembled because they knew who he was. They knew, they knew who Jesus was and still is. So, anyway, uh, so you must believe. You must believe. Uh, in your heart, not just mentally, but uh, in your heart. Uh, and then he says uh, about the, the resurrection uh, that God hath raised him from the dead. And I didn't go into this, uh, the importance of the resurrection. First Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel. Notice, what is the gospel which I preached to you, which I also received? By faith, Paul had trusted and received this, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ, here's the gospel, died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Yes, the resurrection is mentioned here for a reason, because it's of great importance. He was raised for our justification, uh, we're told. He was declared to be the Son of God uh, with power, Romans 1.4. Go back and read the first part of Romans. And so it's extremely uh, important. So we see with the mouth, uh, uh, it says what is in the heart. For, remember, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, it's extremely important, the heart. Someone said the heart is, is so full of Christ that you can't help but confess. Is that true in your life? Is your heart so full of Christ? Are you in love with Him for what He's done for you? If not, you better, you better uh, check up. Examine yourself, Paul said, to see if you're in the faith. I mean, this is, this is as I said last week, this is the most important thing in, in all of life. If you miss this, you've missed, you've missed it. So we need to, we need to see. And, uh, and, and he says in uh, uh, verse 11, he says of Romans 10 here, did you notice? He says, the scripture says, whosoever believes in him will not be disappointed, will not be ashamed. 
And that's what Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's changed my life. I ask you, has it changed your life? Is it, is it still changing your life? I haven't arrived yet. Is, it, is he working in you to, to willing to do of his good pleasure? I mean, this is, this is, this is good stuff. Uh, uh, what about uh, uh, what Jesus said? Matthew 10, 32, and 33. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, you might say, well, really, is it, is it that important to confess Christ? Is it that important? What did Jesus say? Anyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. We don't have time to break all that down. But... Uh, Yes, it is important. Uh, for with, uh, for, uh, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And we confess Christ. Now, uh, confess what? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And that's the, uh, the text for the day. Jesus is Lord. Confess what? He is Lord. It's interesting because in verse 13, he quotes Joel chapter 2 in verse 32. And uh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that is Jehovah, Yahweh, Jehovah, uh, Jesus, if Paul is saying here, Jesus is God Almighty. That is what he's saying very clearly because of what we find in Joel chapter 2. The Lord there is God Almighty. Whoever confesses Jesus, you see, he is saying very clearly who Jesus is here. There can be no doubt about the deity of Christ. If somebody doesn't believe in the deity of Christ, I, I don't get it because it's one of the clearest teachings in all of Scripture, the deity of Christ, that he was God manifested in the flesh. Now, I don't understand that. I can't put it all together. I'll never be able to do that, just like the Trinity. But what does Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10 say? And this is just another example. If you read Zechariah 12, it talks about what Jehovah God, what Jehovah God is going to do. I will, I will. Every verse, I will do this, I will do that. But then it comes down to verse 10. I will pour out on the house of David, that is Jehovah God, and on the inhabitants, by the way, use this on Jehovah's Witness. This is one of the best verses that you can use. And I will... Uh, in the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will look on who? Whom they have what? Who is that referring to? Christ. They're going to look on God manifested in the flesh who is pierced. No doubt about it. That's what he's saying. This is who he's saying. And they will mourn for him and so forth. But that's, that's... Now, how do I know that? John 19, 37. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they appear, speaking of Christ. Look it up and read it. It's Christ. They shall look on him. He's quoting here, Zechariah 12, 10. You see what I'm saying? What Paul is saying here is, yes, this Jesus is God Almighty. Amen. You must confess him as that. You must, you must see that. Jesus says, unless you believe that I am, you'll die in your sins. He is who he said he was. He must be confessed as God. And the word here is kurios. 
kurios. Now, I don't think it is limited to this. I think when, when Paul says, uh, confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, it's not, again, of course, head. It's in here. In other words, when you trust Him, when you're trusting God, there's going to be a difference in your life. There's going to be a, a change in your life. Works are going to start flowing because of who you're confessing. And so, in, in uh, define, I looked, at, I looked this word up in, in different dictionaries <clears throat> for the definition of it. And it also means having power or authority. Uh, <clears throat> Baker's Dictionary of the, of, uh, says this, Lord carries with it more expressly the idea of sovereign rulership in actual exercise, evoking obedient service. So what is he saying? It's going to evoke action in your life by this, believing this. It's going to, it's going to change your life. There's going to be something that will happen if you really believe this. Uh, Spurgeon said, to confess Christ, he says, is to say of him, I have received him into my soul as my Savior. He is my only hope for time and eternity. I honor him as the Son of God. I submit to his laws as those of the great king who is worthy to rule as he pleases, to have the absolute control of all my powers and faculties. Whoa. In other words, he's Lord. He's Lord. He is now your Lord. Is he your Lord? I ask you that. Something to think about. Uh, it's interesting too. John chapter 20. I wonder what was in the mind of uh, Thomas. Doubting Thomas. We all know that he didn't, couldn't believe Jesus had raised from the dead until he faced him and saw the nail prints. Whether he touched him, we don't know. But he says to him, to Jesus, my Lord and my God. What did he mean? By both. He says, my Lord and my God. Kurios here, my Lord. He didn't say, my God and my God. He meant more. There was more behind this Lord than just God being God or Jesus being God because he says that secondly, my Lord and my God. Uh, it's very, very important. What did Jesus say in this matter as far as this obedient service? In Luke 6.46, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Now, when you see Lord, Lord together, that means someone who is saying there's a relationship here. There's something going on. He says, Why do you call me with this intimate relationship and do not do what I say? You see what I'm saying? In other words, if you're calling me Lord, if I'm your Lord, then you're going to obey me. What did Jesus say? If you love me, Keep my commandments. So there is a, obedience doesn't save you, you know. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what flows out of real faith? Obedience. His lordship. What did, we'll say in a minute, what did Paul say? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God, he says. Also, Matthew 1, 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven. But what? He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words, there's going to be a change and there's going to be obedience. You're going to want to do God's will. That's what's following in following Christ. First <clears throat> Peter 3, 6. Just, and by the way, these words in the Greek are kurios, Lord. Okay, kurios. Just as Paul used in Romans 10, uh, 9. And just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him kurios, see, and you have become her children, so forth. Obedience. There's a, in calling Jesus Lord, there's obedience that follows that. Doesn't save you. Doesn't save you. But uh, also, it's interesting in John 3, 36. Now here we say, he says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son, what? Will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You see the two that go together? What saves you? Belief. Faith, but what happens when you believe and have faith? There will be what? Obedience. These are two different Greek words. And we could get into the etymology, and the etymology is, is similar, but there's a difference. In, 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 in other words, obedience it's, that flows from real faith. Now, does this mean you have to do this perfectly? That you become sin? No. That you become sinless? No. No. Because we fail. I stumble. There's still. Idols that I struggle with. I'm not saying that. But He's my Lord. I want to please Him. I want to commit my life to Him. I want to live for Him. And, and uh, uh, so there's, there's, there's a lot going on here. And, and what did James say? What uses it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? No, it can't. And I think that's what he's teaching here. Faith manifests itself in works. Where there is faith, there, where there is no faith, there is no works. In verse 20, But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? For just as the body, in verse 26, without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Somebody said, I believe in Jesus. Wow, that's great. But I don't go to church. I never pray. I never study the Bible. I don't care about doing God's will. But I'm a Christian. I can tell you this morning that I'm a golfer. I don't own any clubs. I've never played the game. I don't even watch it on TV. could care less about it. It's stupid, foolish. But I'm a golfer. Does that make any sense? I think it's pretty clear. I think Jesus is being very clear here. We're going to look at some more of this next week. But, uh, but anyway, uh, you know, the, the, the Israelites had problems with this as well, we're told. Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. And to whom did he swear that they uh, would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of what? See, the problem is faith. Faith. It begins with faith. Faith in God Almighty. Christ, who is God Almighty. It's got to begin there. Somebody said this, faith is the heart 
invisible to men. And that's true. It, faith is the heart invisible to men. Obedience is the conduct and may be observed. What did Paul say about this whole thing? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are what? You're not your own. You're not in control anymore. It's not about you anymore. You're no longer on the throne anymore. Why? Because you have been what? Bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. In other words, you're going to live for God, is what he's saying. This is going to be a change in your life. It's, not, it's God working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Uh, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. By the way, aren't slaves bought with a price? That's what he's saying. We're a doulos. In the New Testament, the, word, the Greek word is doulos. You're slaves of Christ. Did you know that? You're a slave of Christ. Why? Because he's your master. He bought you. He bought you. He, with his precious blood, he's bought you. He, don't you want him to be Lord? I mean, good grief, people. No, it's good news. He's my Lord. Rejoice in that. Don't fight it. I, in my own life, uh, I fought it. I kicked and kicked and wouldn't, wouldn't hear God and didn't want to have anything to do with God. But I was a Christian. No, I wasn't. I said I was. I remember one day my mother came in there and, and, and I was sitting on the bed weeping. Crying. I'm not talking about a little tear. I'm talking about bawling because I, my life was gone. I mean, I was, at the end, I was, I was grabbing on to, to uh, the threads on the rope. I was at my wit's end. And my mother sat down and she says, What's wrong? We talk. Says, and she says, "What does God want you to do?" Boy, that was kind of like, "What? What do you mean? What does God?" And it hit me. Oh, He wants me to serve Him. He wants me to live for Him. He wants me to be committed to Him. And all of a sudden, it was like Pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress. The burden just came off my back. And I walked down the hall and I thought I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof because Jesus was my Lord. He was, and, he, and, and when I said, I want to serve him, I don't know how it's going to look. I mean, you can serve him. You don't have to go to the mission field, but you're, you're, he's your Lord. And this is what, now, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9, slaves, he says, this is the, the context of masters and slaves, okay? And uh, talking about the responsibility, the obligations of both the slave and the slave owner. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters. Makes sense. According to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and the sincerity, in the, notice the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves. Do loss. Remember, I was saying we're slaves of Christ, slaves of Christ. Doing oh, well, here we go again. Doing the will of God. What? Pretty clear to me. Do you care about doing the will of God? I don't care what it is. Do you care about doing the will of God? It goes on 
with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their, notice, capitalization, knowing that both, that is slave and master, who is their master? God in heaven and yours in heaven. There's no partiality. In other words, Jesus is our master. Kurios, Lord. He's our master. Is he your master? Is he your master? Really interesting. Uh, I uh, taught school at Greystone, as you may know, teaching the sixth grade. And we used to have devotion every morning. We'd read scripture and comment on it. But I got into a series on talking about Jesus being Lord, Lord of your life. Committing your life to Him, surrendering your life to Him, giving your living for Him, and so. And uh, you know, I thought, okay, just like a teacher, you know, it's kind of discouraging. <laughs> no response, you know. I thought. Years later, this woman comes driving up in the yard, and I was down. I was depressed. I felt like my life was a failure. That I hadn't done anything good, and I, I was crying out to God, "Help me, God! Help me to focus on Jesus." Well, this car drives up. And this woman gets out, this was a number of years later, and had four kids, I think, four small children. And she walked out and she said, well, Mr. Phillips, do you remember me? Jackie? You know. She said, yeah, Jackie Roberts then, and my name is so. I said, sure, Jackie, I remember you. And she said, you know, God just told me to come by and talk to you. I knew that you lived here. I mean, this if this wasn't a God moment, I mean, there <laughs> And she says, I just want you to know something. And I said, what's that, Jackie? She said, remember when you taught on Jesus being your Lord? And I said, yeah, I do. She said, well, in that class, I bowed my head and asked Jesus to be my Lord. And he did. He came in and she says, he's been my Lord ever since. I'm living for him, raising my children to glorify him. And she said, thank you. Thank you. Ain't that great? So, God uh, intervened in a powerful way. We have a master, a Lord, kurios, in heaven. Whoever intercedes for us. That's good news. What did Joshua say? You can look, I didn't put this on the screen, but this came to my mind. Joshua chapter 24 verses 14 and 15, he says, you know, he says, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Serve, live for, commit to, surrender your life. I don't care what word you live. But he says, but as for me and my house, what did he say? He's going to be my master. He's going to be my Lord. I'm going to live for him. Listen to what Spurgeon said. I I don't like reading from a text, but concerning the rich young ruler, and we all know the story about the rich young ruler, and he was wedded to his idol of mammon. That was his God, and he wouldn't let it go. 
That's who he was living for. That's what he was living for. He says, Spurgeon says this, as long as a young, as this young man clung to his idol and he had not truly repented. And he says, Spurgeon warns his students, he says, if the professed convert distinctly and deliberately declares that he knows the Lord's will but does not mean to attend to it, you're not to pamper his presumption, but it is your duty to assure him that he is not saved. Do not imagine that the gospel is magnified or God glorified by going to the worldlings and telling them that they may be saved at this moment by simply accepting Christ as their Savior while they are wedded to their idols and their hearts are still in love with sin. If I do so, I tell them a lie, pervert the gospel, insult Christ, and turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. That's pretty strong language, is it not? But you know what? People heard that, and they realized, you know what? This is a commitment. This is a surrender. You know, we talk about the Muslims and how, boy, what, but Jesus says no. Come to me. What did Jesus say? And I can't. I, I, now read this and let this sink in. I mean, we can look at a lot more scriptures, and I'm I'm just about done. No servant, no doulos, no slave can serve two masters. Now, did he mean that or not? I mean, that's just we were. You know, was he just kind of? This was a yawning moment, and he was kind of caught by surprise. No, he meant this. You can't serve two masters for he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be devoted to, and that's the word I didn't use, surrender to, commit to, surrender to, uh, depend upon, whatever you want to call it, devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Clearly spoken. What is, or who and what is your God? What are you living for? You see, I think it's pretty clear. I want to next week go into this matter. Uh, uh, what did Jesus mean when he said, do you want to be my disciple? He said, what? Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? We'll look at that next week. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word that it is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, that your word is plain and clear. Uh, Lord, I thank you how you worked in my life so many years ago. Uh, Lord, I know I still fail you. Lord, I know I still fall short of the glory of God. Lord, I need Jesus. I need his righteousness every day. But Father... I thank you that you are my Lord and my Savior. That I might cry out with Thomas who said, My Lord and my God. Work in us to to trust more, to depend more, to surrender more, to repent more.
to focus on Jesus more. Oh, God, help us to confess our sins every day. If we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, give us a heart of love. Give us a heart that is thankful that you love us so much. In Jesus' name.